Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you heal and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce, separation, or broken marriage, so you can feel whole again and break the cycle. I'm Joey Ponarelli. I'm your host, and this is episode 112. To close out the year, my team and I wanted to share clips from the Restored Podcast this year. And so you're about to hear short clips with highlights from our podcast. And if you're a new listener, Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. This is the perfect way to sample our content. If you're a longtime listener, we're so honored to serve you. This is the perfect episode to share with someone you know who can really benefit from this content. By the way, if after hearing a clip you want to listen to that episode in its entirety, we're going to tell you the podcast episode, and we'll even link to it in the show notes. And so I'll mention it at the end of each clip, and then you can go to restoredministry.com slash one. 12. If you want to check those out, and we'll also include those links in the show notes, you can listen to the whole podcast episode if one really resonated with you based on the clip. A little bit of a trigger warning because we did this whole series this year on healing sexual brokenness. I recommend just listening with earphones in if there's children around, and I'll explain that a little bit further. But first up, we have episode 102 with Jay Stringer. If you haven't heard of Jay Stringer, he's an amazing man. He's a therapist who helps people heal and break free from sexual compulsions or addictions. He wrote a great book called Unwanted on the topic. And in this episode and even this clip, we dive into that content. I'm fascinated, especially given that we're serving, you know, teenagers and young adults who come from what Mm -hmm. we call broken families where there's divorce, separation, or just a lot of dysfunction. Yeah. We're fascinated by this idea of repetition compulsion. We don't talk about that a lot in the show, but this idea of how you might repeat behavior that you even despise. That's my understanding of it, at least. And so an example that I often give is like a girl who maybe grew up with an abusive father who ends up marrying an abusive husband, even though she swore Mm -hmm. she would never Mm -hmm. do that. And so more particularly for my audience, so many of us come from families where mom or dad cheated on the other, and now they're terrified of repeating that in their own relationship. Yeah. So two questions on this. Why does that happen? Like, why do we repeat these behaviors, especially in this sexual context? And perhaps more importantly, how do we avoid that? Let me address like, how do we avoid it first? And then let's go back. So there's this great quote from a guy named Richard Rohr, who says, the pain that we do not transform, we transmit. Mm. Always someone else has to suffer because I don't know how to. So Uh, That's what's happening intergenerationally is that we have all this pain uh, that a lot of us have not always been able to transform. And if we don't transform that pain, we are going to transmit it onto the next generation. And so how do we transform pain? I would say it's a matter of finding grief and finding anger. So grief is that sense of when you're staring down the brokenness of many generations, like, you know, the story that I shared about my grandmother, when I'm dealing with my own compulsion for secrecy and shame, you know, I can either choose to try and hide that, or I can try and will my way through it, or I can begin to allow tears to fall with regard to this has been a deeply broken sexual story in my family for generations, right? And so the only, I think, real appropriate response to that is a level of grief. But also the other side to that is a level of anger of, I don't want trauma to win in my life or my kid's life. And so if we can kind of hold that razor's edge of sometimes we need grief, 
for some of the tragedies and heartaches that we have known, but also we need a level of anger and defiance to say like, no more, Uh, this is not going to continue in my family. So any of my clients that I see that are able to hold that paradox of grief and anger end up transforming their lives. So that's how we get out of it. Why does that happen? Uh, We are learning more and more and more every day about why this happens. So one of the fascinating studies uh, that's been not just studies, but field of studies would be epigenetics. And that's the study of gene expression. And so they have done studies with uh, something like water fleas. So water fleas that are exposed to a predator, they will give birth to other water fleas that are born with a helmeted or horned head. And that will remain on the water fleas for subsequent generations until the threat is removed from the water. So that's just microscopic water fleas, right? Wow. Born with helmeted heads because of the trauma in the water. So if that's happening with water fleas, how much more is that happening with family systems? How much more is that happening with your sexual story? So epigenetics, I think, begins to answer some of that. Some of the other things that we know, uh, and this would just be an adage in psychology, would be uh, we go to people that are familiar to us because they are familial. And so that sense of if you are used to a particular man or woman or archetype in your family that might be compulsive or uh, using substances or having a secretive life that gets coded in your neurosystem, neurobiology is like, this is just a normal person to be around. And so the people that you feel comfortable with later on in life will probably end up resembling what your body has known. And so just that sense of that's part of the repetition. Uh, But the other thing I would say, and then I'll pause to see if there's any clarification would be, you know, all of us that are growing up in these types of home have endured some level of trauma. And trauma, according to people like Gabor Mate and Peter Levine, would say that trauma is not just something that happens to us. Trauma is also what happens inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness. And so just that sense of when the divorce occurred, when the alcoholism occurred, when there was some level of brokenness, it wasn't just that that event occurred. The bigger question is, who held your tears? Who held your rage? Uh, Who held your face in the midst of a family system breaking down? And if you didn't have someone that offered a face that was able to bear witness to what you went through, you have unaddressed trauma in your life. And what's the impact of unaddressed trauma? Uh, Three things. We have fragmentation, number one. Number two would be a sense of the need to numb. And then the third would be isolation. So fragmentation, numbing, and isolation. So fragmentation is just that sense of Uh, When the story is broken, when the family is broken, there's not solid ground to stand on. There is difficulty. We don't know where to go. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know what five years looks like. And so there's just a sense of how is a nine-year-old girl supposed to hold the reality of a family imploding or blowing up due to some particular issue? Well, you can't. So you go from the sense of profound fragmentation of life into the need to numb. And why do we numb? Well, because the pain of what we are experiencing is far too much. And so that could be finding porn is a great numbing agent. 
promiscuity, uh, hooking up with people could be a great numbing agent. Uh, alcoholism, just a lot of substances or screen time can all help us numb and dissociate from the pain that we're experiencing. But then after fragmentation, after you've found kind of the go-to numbing device, uh, you will inevitably end up in some level of isolation from what you're experiencing. So the shame of what numbing you chose or just the reality that you don't have a lot of people in your life that are able to bear witness to what you went through, you end up highly isolated in life. And that's the story that gets repeated over and over again, is that we feel fragmented in our adult life. It's too painful to deal with our own family or our own career. So then we find things to numb out with, and then we eventually feel isolated. And then we're like, dang it. Uh, I'm right back to where my family was. Why am I so screwed up? What's wrong with me? My whole family is messed up. I'm messed up. And then that's really where that sense of shame solidifies in our life. Wow. I know that's a lot. Um, no, it, it's amazing. Generational trauma, but that's, that's how we heal. But also that's why it keeps happening. I've personally listened to that clip and that episode like numerous times. I've just found it so helpful, so value-packed. And feel free too if you want to rewind and listen to it again because there's so much in there or just go ahead and listen to the whole episode, which again is episode 102. In episode 101, I was joined by Matt Frad and Jason Everett, who are both authors and speakers and awesome men, to talk about how to break free from pornography. By the way, if you're asking like, why in the world are you talking so much about lust and pornography and all that stuff? The reason is very simple. Dr. Patrick Carnes, a leading expert on sexual addiction, found that 87% of people with a sexual addiction come from a broken family. You heard that right. Almost 90% of people with a sexual addiction come from a broken family. And as a podcast and a nonprofit that's serving young people who come from broken or divorced families, we knew we had to tackle this topic. And so we did this whole podcast series this year on this topic of healing sexual brokenness. And so in this um, episode where we're sharing clips, you're going to hear a lot of those clips from that series. And so if you want to find out more about that series or even listen to those episodes, we'll link to the link in the show notes. And that's uh, restoredministry.com slash sexual brokenness, restoredministry.com slash sexual brokenness, or just click on the link in the show notes. And so the episode you're about to hear uh, tackles that topic by focusing a little bit more on pornography in particular. And so there's two parts of this interview with Matt and Jason. One, really answered the question, uh, is pornography wrong and harmful? Because there's some people who don't know the answer to that question, is it wrong and harmful? And it really deserves to be discussed and to be answered. And then the second part is, okay, let's assume you believe it's wrong and harmful, but you're stuck on it. How do you break free? And that's what we dive into, again, those two parts uh, in this episode. But here's a little clip from that show. Yeah, no, people say, well, porn doesn't really hurt anybody. I don't know that you could get a statement more factually untrue than that one. I mean, the user, his capacity to love, as you said, is diminished. The person behind the camera, the person filming it, the person in the scene. I just think that porn only exists because it shows so little of the person. Because if it actually showed the full woman or the full porn star, what's actually going on in their life, how she was sexually abused when she was eight years old by her uncle, that she was raped on a date when she was 18. Uh, Then when she was 21, she entered into this. I I remember one woman who had had 
she decided to quit after being in the porn industry after her fourth abortion. She said, I just couldn't take it anymore. But could you imagine if you saw this full picture? Uh, like I'd known of one woman, she said that after the, the filming of the scene, it only took three minutes for the whole finished thing to be done, but the filming of it took hours and hours and hours. And she was just brutalized during it. And she said it was so bad that when it was done, I had to go to the hospital, uh, and, but the the porn producer was such a jerk. He didn't even drive her there. He called an Uber to take her to the ER after the filming. But imagine if the viewer, you saw this. Okay, this scene that I'm seeing right here, uh, a child that is conceived during this scene is going to be aborted six weeks later. And this woman had to go to the ER afterwards and this and that. Like, how could you possibly get gratification out of staring at something like that? If you saw the full picture, you saw the full woman, porn would go out of business overnight. That's why it has to reduce the woman only to her sexual value and show nothing else. And so, yeah, the viewer's capacity to love is harmed. Kids are harmed. The porn, I mean, everybody's harmed. And so we got to ditch that, you know, objection right away. Just such good content from such excellent men, excellent authors and speakers. And that again is in episode 101. Next up, we have Katie Faust joined us in episode 92. Katie is is amazing. She runs the organization Them Before Us, where she's advocating for children's rights. What does that mean? Basically, so often in these discussions that we have about families, about marriage, about every all the hot topics in our culture today, we forget about uh, a very important group of people, and that is the children. Like, what's best for the children in all these debates? Often they're just forgotten. And so, as a child of divorce herself, Katie really understands these problems, including the topic of divorce, uh, very well. And she's become this really fearless spokeswoman uh, for children's rights. Listen here. Saw that as a kid. I see it now in the lives of kids around me who are in a situation of divorce and it is an absolute cruelty it's such a cruelty yeah. and the fact that we have allowed this to go on virtually unchallenged and unchecked for decades that we have wrecked a generation of kids over this and we never talk about it it just i'm i'm generally a very nice person but you talk about these <laughs> kinds of things and it enrages me because the harm to children is so strong and so long lasting. As you can tell, Kitty does not mince words at all. But if you want to hear more of the context in the full interview, just go listen to episode 92. Episode 104 is next. Christopher West, who's a very popular speaker and author, joined us in that episode to really answer the question, how did our culture become so sexually broken? It doesn't take much to look around and see how much of a problem we have with pornography, with sexual addictions, compulsions, with infidelity, like the list goes on and on. But how did we get here? And so that's the question that he answers in this episode. God himself is not sexual, but God himself is an eternal exchange of life-giving love, right? A, a communion of three persons. And in the normal course of events, the union of the two, man and woman, leads to a third. And so we have, a, we have an image here, a bodily representation or representation of the life-giving exchange of beauty itself, of, of the divine. And that's why the enemy hates this painting. And his goal from the beginning was this, 
And this is exactly what has happened to this mystery of human sexuality in a fallen world. It gets all twisted up. And, and this is what, this is the classic mistake of spiritual people. And, and all of this is an answer to your question, Joey, but all yeah. this has to be laid out to understand how we got in this mess. Yeah. Right? The typical response of spiritual people, and I put that in quotes because this is false spirituality. A false spirituality thinks you have to live a spiritual life ruptured from the body. And this is not authentic spirituality. It is certainly not Christian spirituality. But falsely spiritual people look at this crumpled up painting, and, and what does it appear to be? It, it looks like trash, yeah. right? So spiritual people will say, that's bad, throw it away. And, and this is what you would call a puritanical approach to human sexuality. Spirit good, body bad. Well, I find this fascinating. In, in 1953, Hugh Hefner starts Playboy magazine. And this is what he said in 1953. He said, I started Playboy magazine as my personal response to the hurt and hypocrisy of Puritanism in my strict Christian upbringing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Hugh Hefner in 1953 pulls this crumpled painting out of the trash and says to the modern world, hey, people, you shouldn't throw this away. And guess what? Hugh Hefner was right on this point. He was right that we shouldn't throw this away. But where did he get it wrong? And wrong with horrific consequences, yeah. all of which you named and we're living through, and we still are reaping the horrors of Hugh Hefner's mistake. Now, we can't pin it all on Hugh Hefner, but I turn to him as, as kind of one of the main architects of the, of the sexual revolution. And, and more aptly, it's a pornographic revolution, right? I don't want to surrender the word, surrender the word sexual to the enemy. Sexual, sexuality is a good word. Remember, the enemy doesn't have his own clay, right? God created sexuality. He created us male and female, and he called the two to be fruitful and multiply. Sexuality is a holy, sacred reality. It's gotten all twisted up. Hugh Hefner's mistake was that, that he left the paper, the painting, in its crumpled up form. Mm. And he started reveling in the crumpled up version of the story, right? And he started saying to the modern world, don't you want to look at this? Don't you want some of this? And because most of the culture was puritanical in its approach to sexuality. When Hugh Hefner started saying, hey, you can have this, we jumped in. We, we dove headfirst into this crumpled up version of the story. Totally mind-blowing about what Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy, uh, had to say about like why he did what he did. And one of the things I learned from Christopher is that sexuality is meant to be so much better, so much more beautiful than what we've degraded it to become as a culture today. And so if you want to hear more about that, uh, listen to episode 104. Before we get to the next clip, I just wanted to say, if you're new to this podcast, if you're new to Restored, the nonprofit behind the podcast, I just want to take the chance to introduce ourselves. We are, again, a nonprofit who helps teenagers and young adults from divorced or broken families to heal and build virtue so they could break that cycle in their own 
lives. And we do that primarily by producing content and resources that make healing simple, such as this podcast. We have a book and we're producing future books. Uh, we also do speaking engagements. We have free video courses and so many more resources. And our vision is not only to break the cycle of dysfunction and divorce, but truly to reverse it. Because we believe if you're someone who's been through the trauma of your family falling apart, uh, it's likely that you have these like really bad habits in your life, these vices that are holding you back. And you're going to go on typically and build these unhealthy relationships, weak marriages, and really broken families. And I think that's why we're in the mess we are in our culture, because that's happened on such a large scale. But on the flip side, if we can help people who've been through their parents' divorce, who come from a broken family, to heal from that trauma and to build virtue, those good habits in their lives, then they're going to be able to go on and build healthy relationships, strong marriages, and just thriving families. And that, I'm convinced, is going to transform our culture more than anything else. Now, in addition to serving young people who come from broken families, we also serve anyone who loves or leads them. Maybe you're a parent, a relative, a significant other. Um, maybe you're a leader, like a pastor, a youth minister, a coach, a teacher, anyone who has people in their life who come from broken families, maybe you don't know exactly how to help them. We want to help you to help them. And so we're building resources uh, for you guys as well. And so definitely stay tuned uh, on this podcast. Join our email list as well at restoredministry.com to hear more about the resources that we have uh, for you. Again, we want to help you to help them. Again, all that can be found at our website at restoredministry.com. You can view all of our resources on there and reach out to us if you have any questions. Next up is episode 105. In that episode, we talk about the fact that so often sexual problems, like problems with lust or pornography, are often talked about as if they were only a guy problem, a male problem. But the truth is, they're not just a guy problem. They're a human problem. Women struggle too. And so in this episode, we talk about um, that whole struggle, the female side of this struggle with sexual compulsion and addiction with my awesome guest, Rachel Kalaki. She's doing great work with her ministry called Magdala Ministries, but take a listen here. Absolutely, because I think a lot of the narratives that I heard whether from like secular or even church spaces, it's just, uh, there's just a lot of influence of purity culture of, it seems like we almost would prefer that women were asexual and we spend a lot of time, uh, talking to men about their sexuality, talking there, there's permission for men to struggle, but there is never like never once did I hear this addressed towards women from either a secular or a church standpoint. Hmm. It, a lot of our, you know, any talk I heard or any sort of like youth event, it addressed like emotions. It was all about emotions. It was all about modesty, like kind of just the hallmark topics for women, which aren't bad topics, but statistically, uh, you know, when we hear that one in at least one in three porn addicts are women, like it, you know, that kind of begs the question, why are we not addressing this early on? So, and I think there's another study that I saw that said it's like 60% of girls in high school are watching porn regularly. So mm. clearly it's a, it's a demographic that's in a lot of, a lot of need. And I was a part of that demographic, but yeah, there just wasn't, there was not any acknowledgement. And so you do kind of start to have this identity crisis of, I love that you said like you're, you're fully woman. It's like, yeah, but when you're in the midst of it, you're questioning, like I'm struggling with a quote unquote male struggle. So what does that say about my femininity? And that's a whole nother level of the healing. It's just kind of reintegrating your femininity, re kind of reestablishing it, owning it, and, and being confident in it. It takes a lot of work. 
Rachel and Magdalene Ministries are doing incredible work. Make sure to check them out. And if you want to listen to the whole episode, that's episode 105, where Rachel just shares very vulnerably about what she's been through and then the resources they've built for women uh, in these particular struggles. And so feel free to reach out to Magdala as well if you want to join one of their support groups. Again, that's episode 105. Next up is episode 87. So when you face a stressful situation, uh, people like firefighters, paramedics, Navy SEALs, and professional athletes have learned that breathing techniques can actually help you to stay calm, to stay focused, and to operate smoothly even under a lot of stress and pressure. And so in this episode, we talk about that with a firefighter and paramedic who is a friend of mine. He shares some tactics that they use in the field to help themselves, again, stay calm and operate under pressure. Okay, so there's a bunch of different ways um, that I've seen it used and used it myself. Uh, as a as a paramedic, I think my first experience with it was actually a very simple use. There was... Um, a patient we had who was having problems with anxiety. I think we were in the middle of a pretty crowded triage room in a hospital ER. And this patient started to have another anxiety attack right in the middle of the triage room. We hadn't been able to get a nurse yet. We didn't have... Um, so we were still in charge of this patient, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And this paramedic that I was with essentially started coaching this patient through box breathing, which I'll get into right now. You take a deep breath in for four seconds you count in your head one two three four then you hold it for four seconds then you let it go for four seconds and then at the bottom you hold for four seconds then you inhale for four seconds so it's a four second box basically is why it called why it's called box breathing or some people call it i think square breathing or something like that but it's it's a conscious way to slow yourself down and that's uh, maybe the most common version inhaling four seconds holding four seconds exhaling four seconds holding four seconds. Anyway, as soon as he started coaching this patient through this, the anxiety attack kind of subsided because the focus was on the breathing. The nervous system shifted and the anxiety attack passed. That was the first useful experience that I had seen with it. There's other things like um, grounding, which I think Julia has probably talked about before. We use the five senses. It's very similar approach um but even feel free to go into that if you want to i mean not everyone probably has heard those episodes so yeah and that one basically and i don't remember the order but you you pick like five different things you can see four different things you can hear Mm. three different things you know it's like using all five senses you go to five four three two one and then you you know maybe you have ice cream at the end it's one thing you can taste Mm. it's a a way to kind of keep you in the moment in the situation where you are and it takes you away from that like whatever you're focused on um and kind of obsessed over it that it, it, that that you're struggling with um, it helps you so, get out of your head basically. exactly yeah so, exactly yeah. yeah it keeps you grounded is essentially yeah. what, what you're calling it. and it's just using the senses to do that yeah and i've used that on calls um okay <laughs> I've used that like when my wife was in childbirth, for example. Um, it worked, uh, wow. but she was, you know, it's, it's just a distraction kind of, um, yeah. but it's effective. A good um, distraction. Yeah, exactly. The person might not know why it's working or they might not even know why they're doing it. They might even be frustrated that they're doing it, but almost every time it works. Uh, but even I think like in myself, um, you everyone has this fight or flight response. So, the anxiety or the um, like feeling of being amped up can be combated by using this, these different techniques. 
Honestly, those breathing techniques seem too simple to be effective. I admit that. But once you use them, you learn like, holy cow, these can be really, really helpful again to keep you calm and give you the ability to operate even under a lot of pressure. And if you come from a broken family, chances are you're facing a lot of stress and pressure in your family. And so these simple breathing techniques can be really, really helpful. And so if you want to learn how to do that properly, go to episode 87. Dr. Bob Schutz joined us in episode 99. He's an author, a speaker, really popular guide at this point, and he's written books and given talks and workshops and retreats on healing, and specifically, in some cases, on healing from sexual brokenness. Yeah, healing is often in stages, and so there can be freedom from a compulsion for a period of time. I, I tell in the my book, Be Healed, about the story of John, where he had gotten free for three years and then fallen back after I had been in contact with him. And mm. where it led him was into a deeper healing of a really deep wounds of abandonment in young childhood. And so always, if there's another fall, there's, you know, there's always the reality of sin and, and the weakness to sin. But there's usually a deeper area of woundedness that the fall is exposing. And that was the case with this particular man and and the wife. But it's almost always there that behind our sexual compulsions are psychosexual wounds, our, our wounds of a rejection or abandonment, and we're trying to medicate them, and we're trying to find fulfillment in a way that can never be fulfilled there. And so, you know, one of the things that I often say when we teach courses is behind every disordered desire, which every sexual compulsion is disordered desire, is an un, uh, is a holy desire. That mm. it's what's really the longing in the heart of that person. It's it's for something good. And that's one of the ways through the shame. What's the good that you were looking for there? Not that you whitewash the distortion, but you you're you're identifying in your heart what you're really looking for. Behind every sort of desire is a holy desire, an unmet need, an unhealed wound, and a hidden pattern of sin. As underneath it. Wow. Yeah. And so when we're doing this work, you just can't stop with changing the behavior. That's why the healing is so important. The healing has to get down to those good desires, the unmet needs of those desires, the unhealed wounds that keep those desires from being met, and the hidden pattern of sin. Things like unresolved anger, envy, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, those kind of things. At another point in that episode, Dr. Bob talked about how often at the root of sexual compulsion or addiction is a broken attachment, a broken relationship, basically, between you and your parents. And so if that's helpful for you, if that resonates with you, definitely listen to episode 99. Next up is episode 89. Dakota Lane is a fitness and health coach who's just achieved amazing results in his own life in terms of fitness, as well as in the lives of his clients. He's helped so many people, and he actually comes from a broken family, divorced family himself, and so he really understands this problem that those of us from broken families face. Um, but he's also been able to take a lot of the pain and the problems that he's faced in his life and redirect those into fitness. And he's, again, been able to do that instead of falling into a lot of the bad habits that so many of us often fall into. So take a listen to this clip. And 
how about sleep? I didn't plan to really talk about this much, but I'm just curious if there's any quick tips there, like how much should you get and any best practices? Yeah, well, just to mention, like everybody knows, again, sleep is important and I can't stress enough like how important. Um, if you just like look at some of the research, um, people who get like five hours or less of sleep, like typical BMI for people's bodies can be way more dramatic as far as like the obese category than people who get seven to eight hours the stress that it causes in your body and the way that it, that it manipulates your hormones, particularly cortisol, almost make it impossible to lose weight. So you can have your nutrition, you can have your exercise, you can have everything like in check. If your sleep is out of whack, it can totally undermine everything that you're doing. So highly recommend prioritizing that. Obviously, nowadays, it's a pretty big topic with like blue light with people's phones, like trying to minimize the amount of blue light you're getting like an hour before bed. Um, is going to really help your body to get into like deeper REM um, cycles and deeper sleep. And then, yeah, just like trying to prioritize to make sure you're getting a solid amount. But yeah, super, super important sleep. It's like the only time really that our body has to do so much of like the maintenance and healing. It just doesn't happen when, we, when we're awake. Like it's amazing. Even like our brain, the way that our body kind of like heals and just so like does maintenance on our brain, like it's wild. And that's why if you're like lacking sleep, um, like in the seals when they have hell week and they don't sleep, like you start hallucinating, like you just will not work right. No, it makes so much sense. Is there a particular like hour count? Like is six hours enough? I, I mean, seven to eight is still going to be the typical recommended. You know, different yeah. people, it's going to work differently. Our bodies can, they can be trained differently. Like, so you can kind of train your body to work off less. But yeah, I would say strive for at least seven. Episode 89 is just full of really practical guidelines when it comes to health and fitness, such as how much water should you drink, how much sleep should you get, like you just heard, uh, as well as is nutrition or exercise more important, so much more. So again, episode 89 has a lot of good content for you if you're interested in becoming healthier and more fit. That brings us to the end of this episode. Again, if you want to listen to any of those episodes in their entirety, just go to restoredministry.com slash one. 12. So again, 112. Uh, or just click on the link in the show notes to be able to access the full episodes uh, that you heard in this episode. If you found our content helpful, I want to invite you to do a few things. Zero pressure to do these things, but I just want to extend the invitation. One is feel free to subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you can hear about when our new episodes go live. We can notify you uh, immediately. Also, just check out our resources on our website at Restored Ministry. Dot com Again, Restored Ministry, ministrysingular.com, or just click on the link in the show notes. And then finally, just wanted to say, especially if you've been listening to us for a while, you've, you trust us, I would say share this episode with someone in your life who you know comes from a broken family, divorced family, who really needs to hear it. Like, I promise you, they're going to be really grateful. And you could even text them now. You could even say, hey, I was just listening to this podcast episode. Uh, I thought of you with everything that you've been through. I figured this might be helpful. No pressure. Just wanted to pass it along. Something like that can go really, really far because chances are they feel super alone and they haven't really gotten the help that they need. And so you can be the person to change that for them. And I know going back in my life when my parents separated and divorced, it would have been really helpful if someone would have done that uh, for me. And so be brave. Take a second to text them now. From our team here at Restored, I just want to say we're honored to serve you, and we really just wish you the best in the new year. And always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and break the cycle of dysfunction and divorce in your own lives. And keep in mind the words of C.S. Lewis, who said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.